You're listening to the Reba Show, Home Ownership, here from the Experts, live from Fishbowl Radio Network in DFW or Fort Wor- Dallas Fort Worth area. I'm your host, Salvador Villalobos. Hosting with me is Val Garcia. Valentin Garcia. Valentin Garcia. How are you, Sal? Very good. How about yourself? I am doing good. I see it's trying to rain outside, but trying it rained hard last night from what I was told. I slept well. <laughs> Today, uh, today's show, we have Matt Silva. He is a commercial lender uh, with First Financial Bank. That's correct, yeah. And um, you're going to ask yourself, what does a commercial lender have to do with home ownership? So today we're talking about affordable housing. They built, If you build it, they will come, right? That's right. So Wait, um, is, is there any affordable housing? That's left? what we're going to talk about. There's so, no way. Matt Silva, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been in uh, commercial lending for 20 plus years. Relocated to uh, North Texas last year. Right. And uh, been enjoying it a lot. Um, my family loves it out here. And, um, you know, uh, commercial lending has always been my passion. So it's been able to uh, afford me the ability to, you know, help a lot of businesses out. Uh, whether it's small, medium, or large. So okay, good, good. Yeah. So, Matt, affordable housing, commercial lending—they're two different things, or are they? Can you give us a little? Because right now there is no affordable housing that you can find, or if you do, it's very limited. What do you think, Val? You're the realtor looking for these really homes. Really hard, really hard right now. What's yeah. your secret? Well. You know, from from the affordable housing standpoint, there's a couple ways to look at it from the commercial lending standpoint, which is you're going to be uh, building large-scale projects, which are for rent or for for sale. And then from that aspect, most of those are going to be driven from, like, tax credit-driven deals. So whether it's local or federal tax credit deals, those those transactions are the ability for um, the entrepreneur in the deal to... Um, reduce their taxes long term in the in exchange for providing a you know a housing unit or units at a reduced cost whether it's lower rents or lower price points so at that at that juncture you know that's that's kind of like where the mix is right there it's more from the investor side to uh, get them to uh, build in areas that are not desirable per se or on the up and on the upswing so it, it's there to provide an incentive for them to invest in areas that that need that component. Right. so you're investing funds in an area that may be somewhat depressed and you have the workers that live in these areas and sometimes they're traveling what an hour sometimes by public transportation to go to work right. um, but you're saying that there's incentives for these builders to build affordable housing, whether it's multi-unit or single-family units, um, in certain municipalities, or yeah. So I mean, it it really depends on on the municipality or the county that that they're trying to do that in. Um, but there there are areas that, um, quite frankly, they 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 haven't had the investment; they've missed out, and they could be areas where most most of those uh, folks that are, are working, like you just gave and as an example, is they have to commute a long distance to get to their work. So it's a win-win when you have, um, 
whether it's in the urban core, and you can have folks that are trying to get to their jobs and live where they work and have their be close to their kids for school. It's just it's just going to create more ownership in their community, and when people have that, then it reduces it, it reduces the ability of uh, blight to occur. It, it it just creates economic vibrancy where people live where they work. Right. If you live where you work, you're spending the money where yeah. you live right. and work. It's a snowball. So, right. You see small businesses form. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see schools get improvements. Tax base goes up. Um, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you go from an area that you know has very little economic activity going on to a place where um, it's considered to be reasonable for people to live and work and play. And if people feel that they have a safe area for their families to live in and they want to spend their money locally, it it just it really mushrooms out when you start thinking about it. And it all starts with the genesis of you know affordable and workforce housing. So if you're an investor or you're a builder that wants to explore building uh, affordable housing, because it is there's a huge need. Yeah. I mean, even rents at this point are are skyrocketing. Yep. So it's almost the cost of a mor- or the price of a mortgage yeah. monthly. So um, what do they do, or how can they inquire more of, of what they need to do? Better yet. I've built homes. I've built maybe three or four homes. I want to um, now dabble in, or not dabble, but get into larger uh, projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to buy and build maybe five or ten homes strictly for affordable housing, or maybe out of those ten, designate three to five homes. I mean, is there a, a, an incentive for that? Yeah, there's. It really starts off with the incentive really starts with the municipality from their tax base. So you have to work with the municipality that you're looking to do that in. The more units that you build, the more the more attractive that looks. They're going to give you a break on the property. More or less, yeah. Taxes yeah, especially if it's a publicly owned parcel, Yeah. Um, which isn't really generating any tax revenue for, for a city or town they're more inclined to not give it away, but at a market rate or reduced market rate with the expectation that you're going to put a certain type of housing there. I don't think you can necessarily do lock-in rents or anything to that degree, but you could have workforce housing type rent, you know, controls in there as, as a, as a landlord. Um, you, you can also um, have it as uh, you know, with was it HUD you can work with them from the federal level too to get financing from them and or um, have the the housing designated as a way to get rental rates in them to get something from the from the HUD to offset it so um, so offsetting you come in with your plans of building a home yeah. or, or, or uh, workforce housing you can also go to HUD for fin- directly to HUD for financing and also for um, certain incentives where they're subsidizing the um, the rents yeah yeah exactly it's it's a lot of it's a lot of paperwork or red tape as folks will say but you know over the long run you're going to be doing more you know you're going to be doing a lot more good by getting that 
designation for low-income workforce housing with the assistance from HUD or, or state organization that can help offset the rental cost for it. Because you just hit a major point earlier, which was what rents were market-wise right now. Right. I mean, it's approaching what a mortgage is, and it it's difficult for folks to just make that payment. Right. And if, I mean, if you are a homeowner, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I don't play a tax uh, professional by any means. Neither do I. But, <laughs> but uh, if you have a, if you're a homeowner and you're paying $18,000, $1,800 a month in rent, you may have the, you may be able to offset some of that at tax time if you're able to deduct your interest and your taxes, your real estate taxes, talk to your tax advisor people. I'm not giving you any advice. Sal but, says. <laughs> but um, that's a huge difference when you have somebody that's barely making it, also paying $1,800. It's a complete, I mean, they're not getting any benefit from it. The, but as a homeowner, you can at least deduct some of that interest and, uh, and, and real estate taxes. But again, talk to your tax advisor. <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, at the same time too, you're also um, you're also gaining equity, and which goes to your personal balance sheet and your net worth. So you know that's a really important factor with the home ownership aspect of it, which is, you know, I think I don't know the exact percentage, but the vast majority of folks in this country, their net worth is going to be centered on their primary residence. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot to gain from that. Especially over this past few couple of years, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's balance sheet has had a nice uh, paper gain. Paper gain. Yeah. So, um, right after the break, we're going to uh, continue this great conversation with Matt Silva, uh, commercial lender, banker. Hey, this is Sal. And this is Val, host of the Reba Show, Home Ownership, Hear It From The Experts. Broadcasting live each week on Tuesdays at 2 to 3 p.m. from the Fishbowl Radio Network Studios at Globe Like Park in Arlington, Texas. Log on to hear from industry experts such as realtors, loan officers, title agents, and other real estate-related professionals who will provide you important information if you're looking to buy your first home or if you're looking to sustain your current home. So be sure to log on each week on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. to catch the Reba Show. Saludos, soy Olga Ríos de Riva Show. Sintonícenos en español cada tercer martes del mes de 2 a 3 de la tarde. Desea obtener información sobre la compra de una casa o retención de su actual vivienda? Tendremos invitados especiales expertos sobre una diversidad de temas en bienes raíces, tales como financiación hipotecaria, asistencia de enganche, cómo mejorar su crédito y demás temáticas. Así que únete a nosotros Nosotros, conéctate a Riva Show en español cada tercer martes de 2 a 3. Los esperamos. Hi, I'm Sal. I'm the host of the Riva Show, Home Ownership, here from the experts on the Fishbowl Radio Network every Tuesday from 2 to 3. I've been a loan officer for the past 25 years. And I'm Val Garcia. I've been a real estate broker for the last 10 years, and I'm co-hosting. Saludos, I'm Olga Rios. I have experience in real estate investments for the past 11 years and have served my community as a realtor for nearly five years. Here on the Reba Show, we'll be bringing you information 
you're looking to sustain your home, looking to purchase a home, or if you're trying to prepare to buy a home. On The Reba Show, we'll be bringing you experts every week in all aspects of real estate, everything from home warranty companies to loan officers to home inspectors to help guide you along the way. So no need to fear. We are here to provide a wealth of information for you. Join us Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Saludos, soy Olga Ríos, anfitriona de Riva Show en Español. Sintonícenos cada tercer martes del mes a las 2 de la tarde. Mi familia ha invertido en bienes raíces por los últimos 11 años y yo he servido a mi comunidad como agente inmobiliaria por casi 5 años. ¿Desea obtener más información sobre el proceso de la compra de una casa o cómo sostener su actual vivienda? Les invito a que participen, a escuchar de nuestros invitados especiales que son expertos en bienes raíces. Nuestros expertos le guiarán y contestarán sus preguntas sobre asistencia financiera sobre los gastos de costos de cierre o de enganche y también sobre escrituras, inspección de casa, seguros de casa, Toda la información que usted necesita para tomar una decisión informada. Le invitamos que nos sintonice cada tercer martes del mes a las 2 de la tarde. Aquí le esperamos. On the Reba Show, every Tuesday at 2, we will highlight a special Reba member. This member will share how they were able to help someone just like you achieve your dream of homeownership. They will share with us their secrets to serving. Join us Tuesday at 2 for our member spotlight. Are you very close to qualifying for a home mortgage, but not quite there? Then you may qualify to receive free help increasing your credit score. For more information, visit the Reba website, W. You're listening to the Reba Show, Home Ownership, here from the experts live from Fishbowl Radio Network from DFW, <laughs> DFW, DFW Airport. I can't get it straight. So um, awesome. I'm your host, Elvia Lobos. Co-hosting is Val Garcia. Val Garcia. And today's special guest is Matt Silva, a commercial um, banker, discussing how commercial banking actually helps affordable housing. So... If they build it, they will come, right? So, Indeed. welcome again, uh, Matt. So, tell us a little bit of. Well, let, let, let me summarize what we discussed yeah. before. We discussed that um, by getting, uh, by somebody creating uh, affordable housing, building it in, in, in your local communities, they are actually contributing not only on the tax base because you know they're paying tax on the properties that they're they're building but also um, uh, creating maybe more jobs in the area uh, people that are working and now li um, living and now working in these areas are now contributing to that uh, to that base that economic base because now they're buying where they're living um, and at the same time, if they are uh, building a one to three unit building or a 190 um, uh, uh, unit building, they are also um, some tax incentives for these builders or from, 
from the city or from the, the county to do so. Yeah, right? yeah. Most of those incentives they're going to be at they're going to be at the local level or at the federal level, and for, from that perspective, they're they're getting those investors to build in areas that are not quite attractive, and they need to effectively give them an incentive to to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, do you help it, them obtain that, or do you? Uh, no, no. Typically, typically those folks they they're they're working those channels before they talk to me okay and they're working it through either the the municipal state or federal level for that um so if somebody doesn't know that that's what you would direct them to yeah absolutely uh you know from from an investment real estate standpoint most most of the investors that start going into that area or arena of commercial lending and commercial investment real estate they're they already know that they have to get those pieces lined up, and then by the time they talk with me, they know what they have for for tax credits to go into a into a, a large scale deal. They'll, they'll come to me and talk to me conceptually about the project, but you know, subject to getting those you know tax credits lined up, you know. That's so you have a builder, general contractor. Mm-hmm. They've built the home successfully. They have a good track record now they're thinking of ramping up their production building more affordable homes because they found that it is more um it's gratifying yeah and at the same time it's profitable for them right Uh, they may not be building the taj mahal but they're providing a service to that community they're reaping some benefits through those tax credits what do they need to do to uh, to start a project like that it really depends on the scope. Um, it, there are processes for doing low amounts of units or single families all the way up to large, large number of units. Like, think either a lot of, like a townhome type, all the way up to an apartment building. And for for that, they they definitely need to get their ducks lined up from from the municipality side of things and get get those tax credits pieced together and it's something where it's 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 not like a system where it's here's step one here's step two i think uh between um engaging in the area that they want to do from a municipal standpoint to and figuring out because it it differs from town to town city to city so stopping at city hall and knocking on doors precisely you're looking for that town that is um, they they haven't hit the upswing yet, and they're they're trying to attract folks to to build anything. So this is not a fast project. Not one bit. No, not one bit. How long? What would your estimate be, roughly? I, I would say it would probably add like six to eighteen months on the process, just because anytime you get the government involved on anything. Um, you're talking about long-term commitments on on taxes, and the programs change as the years go by. So, what somebody got as a benefit for for you know a tax credit deal five years ago could be completely different than what it is right now. And and just to bring it back home to our listeners out there, say they're in an area, pick city A over here. Yeah, and the. The city's built out on one end, but the other end is a lot of open land, a lot of open lots. 
what we're talking about is somebody's going to come in, somebody's going to build a bunch of homes, whether apartments, condos, something, but it's not just the homes that they're benefiting from. When you start put, putting people in an area, what's next? Grocery stores, gas stations, shopping centers. It is filling out a city is what it is. Schools. Yeah, schools. 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 It's, it's life convenience is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's literally like building up a, a town. It could be from scratch or it's stalled or it's just encroachment. Um, you know, it's the old adage, hey, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it was a blinking light and, yeah. you know, a bunch of fields here. And now it's it's all built up. So folks don't, tum- folks sometimes tend to just live locally and they don't realize that um, sprawl is, is something that naturally happens. I mean, you look at this area, for instance, it's it's a huge migration um, really? I notice. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I came here, <laughs> but, uh, there's, there's a lot of folks moving to this area and I think it's going to create an opportunity for, um, for towns that were on the outskirts, the outside it, looking in it's per gonna se. Ha- it's going to happen it's, no matter where you're at. It's yeah. coming. I mean, I know you two are transplants here to Texas and I, I've been here almost 50 years in this city particularly, and I'm looking out of a window that has a six-lane highway, really eight in some places, Yeah. and I remember being 14, 15 years old and driving over here, and it'd be a two-lane highway each direction, and now it's absurd. You wouldn't get cars here. Well, it's yeah. the same thing where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, it was two lanes, and that was the inter- interstate, two lanes, Yeah. and now it's six lanes each way. It's just like... In a matter of you know a handful of years, yep. yeah, it's and the amount of homes that are being built, and that's great, but the affordable homes are not being built. That's yeah. the challenge. Yeah, and um, that's where these these municipalities need to understand. You want your, your your community to thrive. You need everybody. Yeah, it's it's all about balance, right. and I think that's where it, it's it's any town, any city in the United States. It's it's. You, you balance is always the big piece of it. You know, you want to have an econ, economically vibrant area, right? And what that encases for most economic development offices for any any city or town is all rays of the economic you know spectrum that you have, because you just don't want to be locked into being you know the high net worth area or the low net worth area you know you want to have a, a broad spectrum of folks where they can live right. live and work I and mean, play yeah. yeah you see people riding bikes because there's no transportation yeah and they're riding five six eight miles to go to work yep and that's that's a challenge you know so yeah so that is a challenge well so, and as a city you don't i mean nobody's going to say this out loud so i'll say it as a city, you don't want just people that can just just afford to live in your city. You want people that can live in your city, be able to support the restaurants, be able to support the grocery stores, be able to go and be entertained in the city, take advantage of the libraries, take advantage of everything else. And without affordable housing, a lot of times you just don't have that. You have people that can afford to live there, but they're not they're staying there. They're not living. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, from a commercial lending standpoint, just how I'm looking at it from a business standpoint is 
you know, you need workers for these businesses that are in these areas. That is absolutely critical. And, you know, um, it's not it's not the absolute answer as to why we're having labor issues. It doesn't help when, you know, somebody wants to work for you, but it takes them an hour piecemealing like a bus schedule or like you said, riding a bike or hoping that somebody can give them a ride in. Or even driving. Now with gas reaching you know, mm-hmm. almost $5, and if they're making, what, $10 an hour, I mean, ha- you know, they're wasting... You Math know, is fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how can somebody starting out that says, this is what I want to do, I want to focus on providing affordable housing... When they come to see a, a banker, how should they be prepared to do that? Well, um, assuming that, you know, the, the metrics of what they're trying to do makes sense. You know, when I'm looking at it from an investor standpoint, you know, they're coming in with, you know, if it's a purchase of a building and it's a rehab or if it's a ground up, you know, you, you have your standard equity that you have to put down into a deal. Right. It's going to be 20% minimum. That's that's just the case. You start getting into, you know, tax credit deals that can get a little bit more complicated. That can reduce what's being put down. But again, you start adding different, you know, sources of equity into the contribution bucket per se. Um, it takes a lot more work, but it's gratifying in the end. But it's a lot of work versus, hey, I got I got my equity to put in. I'm ready to break ground on this, and this is what I'm going to do. Most of those investors that have the equity that they're putting into it, if they're doing a tax credit deal, they're doing it because they're looking at the long-term revenue picture for them to uh, reduce their tax basis on the money they're making on that, that project. It entices those investors from the standpoint that if one deal works for them, they can they could do it on the next one because they have the experience they have the um you know they they built up a project ground up and it it came out great on you know on budget it looks good um it's the right demographics that they were trying to attract in the first place and solve a solve a housing need i mean you know unfortunately housing is is just a it's it's something that doesn't have a a answer that you can get overnight right particularly in this area. But there are folks that might have the ambition to do that, which I think they need to be encouraged to do. So when somebody's going to reach out to me as a commercial banker, I'm always going to listen because um, there's a, there's a huge there's a huge part of me that, you know, what I'm doing in terms of financing these projects or financing small businesses they they all come into the pl- into the play of making a economically vibrant area, whether that's for workers that you know want to be depositors at my bank and eventually own a home or buy a car, or if it's folks that um, are looking to be in the investment real estate a- arena of it and increase their net worth. There's so many areas and so many buckets into it that when you when it all comes down to it, it's you know if you have an economically vibrant area that is attracting people and whether it's um, whether it's already established or it's on the upswing, or it it, it just hasn't hit yet, it's it's still depressed. There, there's always a, an area for you to do that in, and I'm always going to listen to somebody that has a pretty good vision on it and 
they can explain the metrics to me on on how why it's going to work. Because oh. at the end of the day, I need to know how it's going to work. Right. How you get 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 paid exactly back. But I mean, you heard the metric, the matrix, metrics. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. Vision, their numbers, but they need a little bit more direction. Mm-hmm. Who is there? You know, who do they, who can they go to to help them? You know, is there? Or, you know, business association or anything that that they can go to to get some kind of direction yeah i mean it there's nothing really there's not like like for small business i would i recommend people go to score what score score is um it's affiliated with the um, sba it's completely free so if somebody wants to open up a, a small business when they're coming to me or any of my colleagues our big thing is all right you got a new business that you're starting up do you have a business plan? Do you have projections? Sometimes people have it all up in their head or it's loosely configured into a, into a business plan, but you need something very formalized. And going to the bank, they might not even be bankable or it might not be right for them to go to me. You know, and di- there's different avenues to get financing that way. Score is a great avenue to the degree that it's, it's um, the small business center is what it does is they put your business plan together. They have mentors there. Um, they'll see you from start to finish. And um, I'm sure it's pretty expensive. No, it's free. It's free. It's free. Wow. Yep. So you can go if you have a business plan, or you don't have a, have a business plan, plan. Yeah. right? And maybe in construction, or maybe you know trying to get this an affordable housing uh, off the ground. They come to you. They're you know like you said. Everything's somewhat loose. Yeah, you know they don't. They don't have a clear picture of what they're going to do. This is a good way to go to score, which is part of the small business association. Yeah. So I mean, if it's for a business like you know, hey, I'm going to you know make widgets. That's where you go to score for. If it's for real estate, that's where you're probably going to have to work closely with the municipality because they're going to want to work with you closely on on this type of deal. Or um, an attorney, or an engineer, um, and/or CPA, because you're you're mixing legal, taxes, and almost you know the variances of what you can do within a within your property too. So when you're doing real estate development, there's there's a lot of angles that you gotta. There's there's, there's there, no wing in it. Not one bit. No way. No. Yeah. You got to have a business plan, a business plan people can look at and understand. Yeah. Most often than not, like, you know, folks that are in this arena, they've already, they've either been an investor in something like this or they've seen somebody do it and they've, I hate to say it, but they've, they've gotten like mentors that have experiences because it's not like, hey, uh, I want to start my own business up because I, I work at this company for a number of years and I have all this institutional knowledge and I can sell better this product better than that. We're talking about managing a minefield of a lot of legal and and tax implications on this. So So you're saying get a good team together. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like a four legged stool, you know, banker, CPA, attorney, Usually that other leg is for like, you know, an insurance agent. Yeah. <laughs> or, or an engineer. So, right. yeah, that's good. I mean, it's fascinating. So I have a question for you. I've, I've asked a few of our uh, past guests this. If somebody's listening at home and says, Hey, this really intriguing. 
what Matt's talking about. I would like to get in that business. How do I become a commercial banker? Um, it's actually, believe it or not, not that difficult. Um, I stumbled into commercial banking by accident. Most most folks will say they did that too. Um, now it seems like there's a lot more. Um, there's more areas where it's a more defined career path. I find than it was when I started. So if you want to do that, um, you really need to have a a two or four year degree into that. Um, and the best way to just start into banking is I've seen folks do it where they start in high school and work working as a teller or in the the retail side of commercial uh, of a bank um, to get into commercial lending. You really need to have that two or four year degree so you can become a credit analyst. And once you become a credit analyst, you spend a couple of years. It's it's writing, it's accounting, it's um, you're basically putting the whole deal together that me, the lender, gets as a package, and it's almost like a mini research paper. So the credit analyst is like an underwriter. Absolutely, yeah. It's a little bit more intense because you're going from background to the metrics of the deal, um, all the way down to like the personal the personal side of it and the global cash flow of it. We're looking at we're looking at ratios of the balance sheet, the income statement, the cash flow of the business, or of the real estate component that we're lending on. Um, it gives as a credit analyst that's kind of like how you that's your basis for understanding commercial lending, and then you go into a portfolio management or junior lender role. So it's my understanding that some some lend some institutions or banking institutions, deposit institutions. The, you start as a teller, mm-hmm. and if you decide to make finance uh, your career path, that some school, some banks will pay f- or help out with uh, tuition. Yeah, there there are banks that will help out with tuition. Um, there's also banking schools that you can go to that the bank support. Um, there's bank specific schools. There's also um, through. Um, the public and you know all the university systems they have banking schools uh, for them now uh, 20 years ago it wasn't even on the radar it, from what I did it was like you had to piece it together through experience right. now they have very specific programs you can do that's why your average commercial banker back then was like 55 you know? <laughs> yeah no kidding it was I, you know when I started it was guys that were like my father's age you know and it was the old crusty old banker, you know, with the wingtip shoes and absolutely, you know. And I was like, "What did I do?" But it's, it's funny you say that. Start as a teller. We have, I think, we have like four or five people in in Reba that I know that have started as tellers and have worked through five in this and five. Yeah, that you know, one of them is a VP now, right? And I was like, "You literally started at the bottom and worked your way up." Yeah. You, you learn a lot of information the longer you stay into it. And they, you know, it's like any bank, you know, people leave or they, an opportunity presents itself and you got that experience and it's just time to go to the next thing, you know? It's a fabulous profession. It, yeah. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to see every day, to be honest yeah. with you. And that's what I love about it. I'm sorry I got us off track. No. We just, well, we just gave this, this, the scholarships away through Reba and it got me thinking about these kids going to school now. Right. And I'm like, Maybe we need to, as guests come in here, start telling them, hey, this is how you get into it. Exactly. No, yeah. that's that's great. That is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? That's what we always say. So back to the community. Yeah. Would you, would you say time for people that buy 
let's say it's affordable housing comes up, they're working in the area, would you say time is probably the number one thing that they're gaining by moving in there? Much more than maybe saving a little bit on rent because you can make money, but you cannot make time. Time driving to and from, drive. Yeah, I, time, quality of life, um, and personal economic you know, expansion as well as for the greater good of the community too. Um, you know, it, it's such a, this is such a big area, you know, sprawl wise. And you're probably going to see as like more and more people come here, you're going to see it become more localized because, you know, you don't want to travel 45, 60 minutes somewhere unless it really makes a lot of sense. You're going to be coming to that right. piece where it's going to become even more Localized. Well, and that's what we're seeing in, 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 my, in, in my town. Uh, we can't drive 15, 20 minutes to the restaurants, but not everybody wants to be, you know, beat traffic to get there on a Friday afternoon. So now more restaurants, more shops are opening up. They're building another school because more people are moving in. So, um, yeah, people want to be able to go to their kids' baseball games, to their soccer games, to their plays. They want to be able to, you know, Go down the street and, and have a burger instead of traveling. As, as a real estate broker, I have that conversation with clients all the time. They're like, hey, I want as much house as I can get for the money. I want to move out to the country so I don't have neighbors and so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, but Dallas-Fort Worth is pretty big, so we'll go out and see some houses. And they love it. And they're like, hey, yeah, let's make an offer on this. And I was like, okay. Now, you do realize it's going to take you one hour and ten minutes to get to work every day. And that's if you don't have traffic. And one hour and 10 minutes to get home every day too, plus whatever tolls you're paying. And traffic. I said, that, yeah. is, that is 10 hours of your work week that you're away from your family and you don't even get paid for it. You're actually paying to make that trip. And, and when they start breaking it down like that, they're like, wow, if I gotta be there at seven, that means I have to leave the house no later than 545, so that means I gotta get up at I did that for five years. Yeah. I traveled 75 miles each way. Told, probably four or five tolls each way. Traffic, horrible. One day I left at 3 o'clock, didn't get to my house until 7. Um, when I first bought their gas was at a dollar thirty-seven. When I left, we were like at the height of like $5. It was costing over $100 just to fill up every couple of days. So if you factor in the oil, the gas, the uh, tires, because you're buying tires that much, it gets quite expensive. You're yeah. going, you, you go with the mindset that you're moving out of, the, out of the city to save on the home, and the reality is you're spending a lot more. And, the, and I, I missed my son's growth. Yeah this first year and a half of his life because I was just traveling back and forth. You were stuck in the seat of your car. Yeah. 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 Wind windshield time. I would give him a kiss in the morning and a kiss at night and just saw him on the weekends. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think like overall that's what these types of projects will, will invigorate with, you know, on a localized level, which is, you know, trying to reduce the – personally, it'll, it'll benefit folks – to do that and it, it takes a lot for people to really buy into the notion of you know people people want to have like a large backyard you know they don't want neighbors or whatever i mean there's there's a benefit to living and serving in your community and supporting you know 
folks that have businesses there um, or, you know, and, and not like, you know, wasting time and money on commuting to a job just to, you know, have your house in the country. I mean, like there's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but eventually, you know, folks will put one and one together and that's where hopefully, you know, there are opportunities like more urban core or, you know, suburban that will present opportunities to say, well, you don't have to drive an hour and 15 minutes, you know, here's an area that we're developing. Right. Do you want to be on the front end of it? Or this is coming at a later point in time. It could be an area of the community that folks never, they just drove past it. They thought it was yeah. just not, not, not somewhere they want to live. Most of these communities that were, you know, I, I can speak from experience where I came from in New Hampshire. There, there was a community known as Portsmouth that, um, it was. Awesome. It's a great town, yeah. but thirty, forty years ago, it 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 was kind of scary, you know. Um, there was an area that you know uh, on the water you couldn't give away a house. I mean, we're talking like a normal normal times, and eventually people started coming there and figuring out, wow, this is a really nice area. And they act. The more and more people came to it, it obviously increased the value. I mean, now it's a very high net worth area, but. It didn't happen overnight, but people that don't remember or didn't live there during the lean times, I mean, it was a pretty pretty rough area to be in, you know? So I think that's what people have to understand is that, you know, um, going into an area that has not, it, it's not on the upside, it's not necessarily the worst thing on earth, and even from an investor standpoint, and I think investors have that more in tune to them because to them, it's my cost basis is lower. It's going to make it an easier project for me to go in, whether the entrepreneurial profit is over the long term, over a cash flow, or selling it. Right. Yeah, that's that's uh, where it's at. I mean, build it, build it. Yeah. It will come. I'm, I'm yeah, shocked you knew where Portsmouth, New Hampshire was. <laughs> no, I love Portsmouth. It's it's awesome. Yeah, it's a great place. I'll tell you a story off air on that. <laughs> so I do have a question for you. Um, what does home ownership mean to you? What does owning a home mean? Um, to me, it's probably one of the most important things that you can do as as an adult. You know, um, honestly, I, I think uh, it's it's there to promote a couple of things, which is stability and economic long term economic uh, vibrancy. Um, you know, it's where you put your head on your, you know, the pillow at the end of the night and you want some basic things. And I think we all strive for security and security means a lot of different things to different people, you know, whether it's the door being locked in physical form or security from I'm happy where I'm at or I'm happy that, um, you know, my kids have a place that, you know, they can go to school or that that will benefit them. Um, there's so many things that can go into it, but at the end of the day, it's 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 a matter about your long-term vibrancy. So to me, you know, home ownership, it's you know, it, it's paying that mortgage payment every month. Um, I actually really enjoy paying my mortgage payment every month because to me, it means I'm building something um, personally. Well, let me bring you more joy. You can pay mine. <laughs> I don't feel like that. So. 
<laughs> what do I get out of it? <laughs> happy family. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> no problem. I'll give you mine the month after. There you go. There you go. So, thank you so much for being our guest. My pleasure. Sharing such thank great you. information regarding um, affordable housing. You know, you, there are other opportunities, and there are benefits to the people that are building or could build these. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Here at the Reba Show, we serve you by providing information about home ownership as you prepare for home ownership or to sustain your current home. It is important to us that you have all the information and tools you need to make that informed financial decision. Become a loyal fan of this, the Reba Show. And everyone, don't forget that uh, we are ha holding the sixth annual Reba, and that's Hispanic Real Estate Brokers Association, Benefit Golf Tournament on October 3rd um, at the Diamond Oaks Country Club. So if you want, you have a foursome, sign up. If you are don't have a foursome and you want to play golf and meet some interesting people, sign up. Go to our webpage, uh, and that's at rebaconnect.org. Reba's H-R-E-B-A. Uh, we are the Hispanic Real Estate Brokers Association, a registered 501c3 nonprofit corporation. We've been streaming live from Facebook and on Twitter. Please, uh, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This episode is available as a podcast on the Reba Show page. And again, Reba's H-R-E-B-A at fbrn.us, and that's for fishbowlradionetwork.us, and at the rebaconnect.org page, h-r-e-b-a, connect.org. If you have any specific questions or comments, you can email us at rebashow at rebaconnect.org. Uh, again, I'm your host, Salvador Villalobos, co-hosting Val Garcia. And we look forward to seeing you next week, possibly not with Val, but we'll see. Jury duty, jury duty. <laughs> Civic duty comes first. Yes. Have a great afternoon. See you next week.